Welcome everyone to another program with your host Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW, that's Mordechai Weinberger, Licensed Clinical Social Worker, and Harav Nissen. For those of you that would like, you can watch us live on thelakewoodscoop.com, on jrootradio.com. And today, there's an extra special energy or excitement in my life. For those of you watching, there is over here my book that has just come out two days ago. Alive, a 10-step guide to a vibrant life. Basically, what I have done is I have taken 10 of the most important sessions that I use with everyone. These are teenagers, these are with adults, and even people in their late 60s, 70s, and 80s. And these are 10 yesoidists that are all over, that hit everyone, and these are important points that we need. Unlocking your self-esteem. How do you identify your self-esteem? You could be an older person and want to help it to your children, teach it, or a younger person, or an older person and eat it. To learn to accept to make mistakes, breaking the perfectionist concept that we talk about all the time, a detailed chapter on that. Um, how to keep on going, keep on moving, even when it's slow, just keep on moving, making choices, how to start thinking for yourself and not to follow the rat race. And of course, over there, we clarify several times that we're not discussing we're just talking about social norms. You must do certain things, must go at certain places, must make weddings at certain, certain types, certain styles to be able to just live more on a freer level. Learning an important yesoy, which people don't even know about, that only the real wealthy and successful people, but getting advice, how to ask advice, how to not feel trapped in advice, getting support, how to, the secret is slow and steady, letting go of anger, how to go to forgiveness from anger, which sometimes eats us up. And most importantly, the last one is about leading versus dominating, how not to be a dictator, how to have our children Friends, neighbors should want to ask us questions and accept our goals, uh, accept our advice. And these are important at all steps for teenagers, for adults, married people. And basically, we've taken that, have the the Gemaras, the Makairis. We had a schuss of having a Shmuel Kamenetsky's Haskama on it and Rab David Cohen's Haskama. But the beautiful is that we got a forward by Dr. Abraham Tversky. There is a second simcha to this, and that is that this book really got to the stores Thursday late, so it was at the shelves on Friday and Sunday. Today is Monday, and I've already gotten messages that Amazon, which is being sold on Amazon, is out of stock. We have a sold out of that, and they're on back order trying to get more. Several stores in Borough Park are out of stock. I was told in Williamsburg completely it is out of stock. In Lakewood, I was told at one store it came in on Friday, and they told them to come back. They came back today. Someone sent me the message that one of the stores in Lakewood are completely out of stock. And several stores have been, you know, are ordering it right away. So I'd like to thank everyone for the great show of support. I'd like to th thank the J-Root Radio. I uh, have Nissen because they've really helped it out and everything that we've done here. And to hear a lot of the clients and the people, those of you that have bought, have already sent me messages in two days saying that it's like everything we discuss over here, but we could see it. And like we can read it and we can give it to our children. We, you know, I know some person told me today that they bought it as a gift for, for their children. So basically, I'd like to thank you for the excitement, the outpour, the interest in that. It's a tremendous chus. And I hope that the Rabbi Shalem should hope that there should be a lot of siyata deshmaya helping. And now to go start with our program. Um, here's the question, Maltov. How would you recommend us to read the book chapter by chapter? Well, Dr. Abraham Tversky says, He says that you got to go through this chapter by chapter. And what I would tell you is do it your style. I'm ADD, which means I go through this chapter and I read this and I read that. And to me, not to brag, but one of the ways that I think, and I know that this is a great book, is that I'm a pretty big critic. And many times 
I see a book and I go, you know something? I've heard this, you saw it already, you've said it, and you're just saying it 10 chapters of the same point, but it is important because you need to identify different ways to apply the theory. I had to do it my style, and that is fully loaded. Each chapter is a book of its own, and it's stories, it's illustrated, they're still showing you the negative side, so you got a picture how someone is when they're stuck in perfections, then you have the picture how the person is without the perfectionist, yet still with the struggles and still with doing stuff. And then you've got the how to do it with 10 steps, recognizing and acknowledging the subconscious, the logic, and the action part of the brain. There's a lot there. But anyhow, let's go now to the callers, because this isn't really, it's a bit promoting it, but it's really about sharing with you my excitement. And I call it the J-Root Family um, Support Group, because you guys help me, I help you. There's a lot of excitement and interest, and thank you all. Uh, Mordechai, first of all, Mazal Tov, and we're really exciting, and I see you that's full of charge. And oh, all yeah. The, this program is really charged right now, and you know the phone line is full, so we'll start with uh, Mrs. C. Mrs. C, you're on with Mordechai and, and Rav Nissen. Yes, hi. Thank you for taking my call, firstly. Um, I want to share something with you. It's firstly to raise awareness. And secondly, it's because I need some guidance in how to proceed from here. Great. And just a question, just be aware that we've got kids listening from about the ages of 7, 8, and up. So just to make sure it's family appropriate when we want to raise awareness. Um, yes, it should be. I mean, I think that everybody should know. Do you know what? Let me put you on hold and maybe just run it by her of Nissen off the line just to hear that it's appropriate. Or can we do that? Just hold on a second. I'll no problem. I'll, okay, fine. Go ahead. And so say it and we'll see what will happen. Great. Okay. So um, my husband has a friend that married a girl from overseas. And um, I heard through the grapevine that she's a little bit interesting. But on the rare occasions that we met up, I didn't see anything wrong with her, and just the opposite. I really enjoyed her, the time we spent together and, you know, being around her. Yes. Um, about a year ago, we got to know, we, we were, got the opportunity to get to know each other better because thanks to the advance, advancement in technologies and, you know, that we can text with each other without having to pay the price for it, yes. um, texting overseas. Um, so we used to keep in touch. We used to text and talk from time to time and, you know, just, daily, everything. Um, about eight months ago, it slipped out that she is um, sick, deathly sick. And um, since I found out that, my life was put on hold. Um, she swore me into secrecy that I'm not allowed to tell anyone because her family does not, is not allowed to know and her husband does not allow her to talk to anyone about it. So her husband will be very upset if he found out that I know about it. So it's basically a secret that she's keeping inside of her, yes. and she's going through this all alone. Yes. I felt very bad for her. I, you know, I dropped everything whenever she called, whenever she texted. You know, every, my whole life evolved, revolved around her. Sure. Um, I had the support of my husband. He felt bad for his friend. Just as a side note, he was in touch with his friend throughout this whole eight months. And never did his friend mention anything that his wife is sick yes. or that um, or, or he didn't sound stressful as if his wife is sick. But right. we assumed that he's a very strong person and he's, you know, he's fighting it like a man. Yeah. So we looked up to him, and we felt for them, and we set villas, and, and, you know, Beautiful. everything revolved around them. Beautiful. Yeah, I know. Thank you. 
Now let's get to the punchline. <laughs> yes, go ahead. Last week I did something that I should have done eight months ago. I contacted a family member of hers. And this family member tells me that it's all baloney. It's not true. This lady is strong and healthy, and there's nothing wrong with her. The only thing she wow. has is BPD. Borderline uh, personality disorder. Yes, that's what the family member said. She said that she never was diagnosed with it by a real professional because she refuses to go for help. So, firstly, I was sucked into a world that I was not in plan in ever being part of. But, um, you know, I consider myself a normal, healthy person, and look what could happen. So that's my first part. I wanted to raise awareness that, you know, it can happen to anyone, and people should be forewarned that do your research very good and see what's going on before you give your life away for someone else. The second part is I would like to know how I can extract myself from this friendship. What's the healthiest way to do it? Okay, let's take several steps back over here. Sure. Um, there's so much to go at. Number yeah. one, I wouldn't even shoot the diagnosis BPD about her. No, I'm not saying no, anything. No, I would do that because that's not the science. That's, that's not generally what BPD does. They don't make up a lie. They will, but let, let's not go there. Let, let's take one step at a time. I just wanted to clarify because a lot of people have, I'll clarify a drop what BPD is, but not much more. And we'll see why she might have this as a diagnosis, but that's not the primary issue. Okay. Um, number one, it is amazing, and you should give yourself credit and not get burned. It means not stop doing chesed or because you helped someone that much. That's an amazing, important point to recognize that you're a great person and don't stop because of that. Okay. I've had an interesting, like, sort of situation where the phone line has given me chesed where I've helped several very, very difficult cases where Lefidar Khateva, like they would have to go, let's say, to the institutes where they're $10,000 a week. And we're able to really help the person over about eight months or 10, no, let's say even a year and a half. And the family probably spent, let's say, $30,000 between psychiatrists. And we needed continuous, a huge amount of therapists. And all I was getting was pain. And that was, all I was getting was tremendous pain and aggravation. What's going on? I'm thinking to myself, Rabbi Nishlam, this is a year and a half of work sending to the top doctors. We're getting somewhere. We're seeing the results. It's just not quick enough and complaining how they're spending thirty dollars or $40,000. And yet the other hand, on the other hand, if they would have had to send to the institutes where it was supposed to be, it would have been $10,000 a week for about four or five months. And, and unfortunately mm -hmm. for those that are in the institutions or those that need to be in in-house treatment, any of the top places, these are the real numbers. We're not adding, we're not making it up. There are no insurances or not no, but they are very hard to get approved for insurances. To make a long story short, one of the, not the people that I worked on, but I got chizik from someone else saying, Mordechai, but what are the family, what are the people that help you say? The people that I helped, I should say, all said, wow, their life turned around. It's the family members and those all around that sucked out your neshama and, and, you know, made everyone's life miserable. And the chizuk that I got was, you know something, I usually don't look at the world. Just because my difficulty is I answer their phone calls or that they are coming up with the money. So all of a sudden they became a baldin in the story and I had to start explaining and clarifying why this top psychiatrist took that price or this or that and why it was needed. So yeah. what I got from that chizik this week was, wow, maybe I will put myself back into some of these heavy cases and maybe protect myself a little bit more 
with how to deal with family members, maybe write up certain contracts ahead of time that any family member wants. Because we did it. I even told them, like, you got to pay for a session. And then they were, oh, you only want money. You'll only speak us. No, it's, you want two hours of my time. When I get home at 8.30 or 9 and I got to learn with my kids, that means from 11 to 1 in the morning, you want my time for free. And if not, they start calling you a chazer and all those wonderful things. Therapists only care about money. They won't speak to you any time after. You know, I don't think they could even say their question in 45 minutes. And then when you're dealing with one family member, then two weeks later, another family member starts going up. But I'm also paying. Hey, he's wrong. I heard this. To make a long story short, my chizik out of that message was I might just get back into some of those hard cases and see to protect myself as much as possible. But to recognize the person that I helped, the family that I helped, they see the changes. They say mm -hmm. thank you. They appreciate. And yeah. to remember what's our goal. So look at this. You are a great person. You helped. You helped. And yeah. everything that we do, the Rebbein Shalom takes for chesed. Now, let's now go deal with this person. Yeah. The family member that said it's not true, we still didn't do our research. Maybe this person is suffering. Uh, um, yes. The so question is I, to ask the husband now. Be direct and open. So that's, do you think it's something that I should do, hurt him in this way? I hurt know him? for a How fact, you I know, I know a thousand know percent, I know that it's not true. I spoke to her, her mother. Yeah, and, let, and her let's mother, take a it, she's point. not the first, she's yeah. not the first one that she is lying to. She had a few family members that she did this already, that she made up stories. Um, I am the first one that she went out of the family doing it for. And this mother also wants to know, like she wants to confront her. Yes. I'm so a huge believer I, in confronting Using my way. name. But yes. I, and I think you should do it first, by the way. So that's my question. What am I supposed to do now? I spoke now, on average will... to her two hours a day on average for the past eight months. We, I'm very intertwined, you know, into this whole story. I, and according she to her, she died many times then? over. Hold on, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Did she tell you she's going to doctors and procedures that's getting done? Definitely. Or? Yes, she did. Okay. She was dying. Now, As a matter of fact, to find a, I was trying to look for the diagnosis. There's a diagnosis, and I forgot what it is. I thought it's like Manchurian or something like that. I just can't find it now. I'll have to research it. It's a common diagnosis. It's just slipping my mind now. That is for someone that will create an illness in their children, not in themselves, to get attention. And it's unfortunately a diagnosis which I have seen several times in my office, where mm -hmm. kids are coming with issues, and then the therapist that's sending, or the doctor that's sending to me is telling me there's something wrong with the mother, so maybe you can start through the kids and, get it, and then get to the mother. There is now a bigger diagnosis, which is what we're discussing, when it's the person themselves. And we need to now identify something. This is what I'd like you to recognize. If this is what this woman is doing, we're making the assumption and her family is making the assumption that she's a bad person and she's a liar. No, I don't look at her as a liar. How I, do you look at her as? I look at her as, as she needs help. And Wait, I, define I, help. How, when you say help, what would you say? What type of help does she need? She needs a therapist. Oh, a good no. One. Oh, probably not. No. No. I'd like <laughs> I don't to think she needs a doctor. There is something <laughs> called delusions. And that's schizophrenic, and it could be a very serious diagnosis if not treated with medication. That is something that therapy cannot help, and it's quite, and they are actually, uh, we're not going to go say, but there's a famous book that they even turned into a movie of a guy that was a famous mathematician. He was genius, but he was delusional, and even tried mm -hmm. choking, killing their own children. 
And the problem so, is these delusions get stronger. I don't know her diagnosis, but that's what I wanted to say. It's not, just hold on. That's what I want to say. It might not be BPD. Like we're shooting to these diagnoses. And we'll discuss in a second what BPD is because we don't want to go there. I just want you to realize her case might be that serious that it's a chemical imbalance and it has nothing to do with therapy. And the family might have been going to therapists or to non-professionals and they didn't get the correct diagnosis. And therefore, it wasn't even dealt with correctly. Exactly. So I'm not saying she has BPD. I'm not diagnosing her in any way. But I know that that she lied to me and she made my life turned upside down. For that, I've forgiven her. I know that things can happen in life and I have no questions about that. I don't like when we use those words, we forgive and inside it eats us up. Maybe you did forgive completely. If I were you, I wouldn't forgive that easy. I would have (laughs) to confront her and tell the person, I've given you times when I was spending time with my kids. I gave you time that I would have spent time with my husband. I gave you time no, that I would have spent... No, but I have a strong belief in Hashem, and I know that that's what He wanted from me now, and okay. so be it. But my question for now is, how? what is the healthiest way for me to extract myself from this friendship? Do I call her up and confront her? I know what you did. I know you lied to me. Or do I continue playing along with her? Yes, you're sick. You're going to die. You're going for treatments. She died many times over. According to my, according to what she yes. told me, as a matter of fact, she had minion around her bed a lot of times. Yes. Uh, other wow. times she was suicidal. She, I was on the phone with her when she told me she's popping pills. Yes. Okay. So what I would recommend is as follows, and this is just my belief. And for this, I would even recommend if you can speak to someone, that's if you've got the ability, someone that has experience with this. Uh, when I say with this, I'm even referring to sometimes with the teens at risk because they have to deal with a lot of these people that might be a little bit extreme. But let's get into the suggestion. I am a huge believer in confronting. Confronting mean, be, means being honest, means being direct, saying as follows. Do you really have this? I want you to know I made a mistake. You swore me. You promised me to secrecy and I kept it, but I opened up. And also I found out that you have this and this issue that or... Step one that I might do is I'd have you speak to her husband directly. I'm speaking to your wife, and she told me that she's dying about nine months ago. I believed it, and I heard now from a family member it's not true. Is it true or is it not true? And first reason why I'd want to clarify, I don't care what she did in the past, because I know, and I've heard from several G'dayim, that if someone's got Yenamachla, certain illnesses, they tell them, do not tell a person, because the bracha of the refuah comes if there's a, you know, if no one knows about it. I don't know yet. And the one I will trust and believe is the husband. So first speak to the husband. If the husband says, it's not true, absolutely not, step two is, yes, I will suggest that you confront her, not in an angry way. Just tell her, I found that it's not true. I found out from your family that you've got an illness, if you want to say that part or not. And what you want to tell her is, the relationship that I'd like to have with you is now based on what you want to have in that relationship. Means, do you still want to speak to her an hour a week? Do you want to tell her until you're not going to a therapist? And I speak to your therapist, and I know you're on medication, and the therapist will have her professionally diagnosed. And I would really recommend that she doesn't just go to a therapist. Go to someone that has many years of experience, because it could be a lot more than just lying or that diagnosis of someone that needs attention. It could be that, and then it's a different form of therapy on a different form on how you deal with it. Part of it will be if you're a friend of hers, you're going to need to speak to that therapist and get guidance as well. What is your friendship? If there's a Rahmanis, you might say anything that you are a Rahmanis I don't want to talk about. I want to talk about healthy stuff, where you went with the kids, what you're buying them for clothing, where you plan on what you're cooking for supper, and you don't even know if you can believe it or not. 
Besides, you might have the choice that you don't want to deal with her, and that's also acceptable. But my belief for her and for you is to be honest, to be direct, and without the anger, just stating the facts the way it is. I appreciate for the awareness of that, and your question is something that unfortunately we do have in this generation, where either people need a lot of attention, or people unfortunately have schizophrenia, which a lot of parents or it's getting more aware of the psychiatric illnesses that we're able to deal with it. But there's a lot of diagnoses where people are just in complete denial over. Okay, so thank you for that. We are now going to go to... Mrs. S. Mrs. S, you're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissim. By the way, did you want to weigh in that question at all? You know what? Uh, I think that each of us is, and not so as extreme, but uh, some kind of uh, facing... Uh, Another person with, uh, you know, I, I don't like to call it lie, but a story, yeah. a different story that it's tried to protect, to, to prevent there to be a different personality. And it's happened to, I think, to me quite a few times. And, the you know, I, I confronted it very, very strong. And uh, I had a few issues with a certain person that I... Uh, he or she's create an image, a total different image, and stories from here to the Hollywood stories. And we confirmed it. Uh, we, we just went straight. And till today, she's across, she went across the street when she <laughs> saw me, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. We have Mrs. S. You're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissim. Is that me? Yes, that is you. Yeah. Um, first of all, thank you so much for your hotline. Um, I'm calling from England, and I want to tell you how popular your line is over here in England, and it's actually so popular that it's so difficult to get through in the evenings. It seems that the English line, it takes only a certain amount of callers. Really? And it's very difficult to get through in the evening. Oh, wow. Thank you. That's great to know. I will actually speak to the phone company that takes care of that. You sometimes have to call like 10 times in a row to get through. Wow. I would act, I would even like to tell you how, you know, you think about popularity. I had, it was hard this, and you'll enjoy this. I, we had, we just had the big yard site from Rebbe Melech Milizensk. So I have a very good friend of the family that was there. And by the scene, they were on the bus or just getting off the bus. And somehow someone was talking about Davin for someone that they need therapy. And they said, oh, you should know you should listen to Mordechai Weinberger. He, he talks about therapy. He creates the awareness. You understand what's happening. And that person like called me up and told me you wouldn't believe it. So I thanked the Rabbi Nishlelem that at the scene, my name was mentioned. And happens to be, I happen to be an Einikul from Rabbi Melech. So it was nice to have that as well, at least at the, at the yard site, to have my name mentioned there. But well, anyhow, you thank you. It. Yeah, um, it, and I have a question as well. I hope so. Um, Go ahead. I was listening to one of the past. I think it was 103. There's this cute boy. I don't know Yeshua, and he's. Um, you were mentioning there that you were bringing awareness that children prefer to be yelled at than to have this tense, low voice. Because then it's denying the emotion. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, but about? I'd like to clarify because it both ways sound. Um, let, let's clarify that that kids prefer honesty and direct than neglect or silent resentment and silent control, where they're not even aware that they're being controlled. 
Which means it's easier for me to work on a, on a child that says my father was angry and screaming all the time, or my mother was yelling and screaming all the time, versus sometimes it takes me eight months of work on a client just to realize that the parents were controlling. Because, what do you mean? I could have done whatever I wanted. There's so much fear in everything that they do. And then they ask, okay, well, what would happen if you didn't study three hours for the test? Oh, we would never even think of that. What would happen if you would ever spill a drink? Oh, we would never even think about that. Why? Oh, for no reason at all. Um, what happens if you try to do something new? <gasps> oh, no, no, no. You might make a mistake. What's wrong if you make a mistake? I don't know. It's the worst thing in the world. They're not even able to identify the fear that was going on. So I would share with you again, talking about the phone line. This is now the second time we'll mention it. But I gave a thank you this week to the dining room table. Harvnissen, what do you say about that? I had a client that I gave this course, and he's telling me about the dining room table that many times when his father would get furious, the kids, he would want to run at them and beat them up, literally beat them up, that they would run around the dining room table because the kitchen dinette, the father could like push against the wall. So I gave, and I've worked on several clients where they said the dining room table was their safety system. So I said, I want to create an awareness to the dining room table, thank the Rabbi Shalom for that heavy dining room table where it's hard to push, and to recognize that if you were raised in that household where you had to use, you or your siblings had to use a dining room table, understand that that's not healthy and you're going to be afraid of making mistakes. You can be a perfectionist. You can have anger issues. Someone right. sent me a message saying... I want saying, just listen to this part, and then we'll do it. I actually haven't read it yet on the phone line, but someone left me a message saying, do you know, at least the kid that ran away understood that there's fear and was able to run. says, I was a brother that always acted good, and I'm frozen within myself till today. I never had to run away, but what about us kids that were frozen? And that's the point I'd like to illustrate, that yes, the parent and the mother and the father chased them, and the kid that ran away had huge fear, but they were able to move. How many people are just fear? And that's what I said, that when a parent is open and there's communication, whether good or bad, we can heal. When there's that denial and the denial of their problem, the kids are in denial. Those are months and months of extra work before we can even start healing the problem. Does that make sense a little bit more to what I was saying? Yes, it does. But if a mother is, if a mother is triggered, is angry... So what is the way to react? Let's so, take a step uh, back. We want everyone, I don't like creating pathologies, and I don't like when people create this fake awareness that mothers will never get angry and fathers will never get angry. Please, I'm a father as well. I'm a husband as yeah, well. No, my so my wife and my kids can tell angry. you, I, I'm far, and I can get angry too. And I get frustrated, and at times I even get down. Not at times, it happens. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so when, when a parent is angry... If, it, if it, it's better to yell, so one should yell instead of saying, come here now and, you know, like... We're not discussing a... any of those. We're not talking about that context. We're talking about when parents are on the extremely unhealthy side. We're not talking about getting angry. We're not talking about frustrated. We're not talking about someone that talks in an undertone voice. We're talking about where fear, fear is palpable. You can touch it. Right. When there was Marcus right, right. that you were able, you couldn't move. There is fear in people's houses. We're not talking about a parent being triggered once a week or twice a week and how they're doing it. We're talking about there's fear every single second. The amount of people that have eating disorders that are dealing with parents that were silently controlling. And therefore, the child is silently not eating, saying, I just don't like this food, and I don't like everything, and I'm fat, and how can you not see it in the way they do all that stuff? It's covert. It's not overt. The amount of times I deal with sessions with clients, I go, let's now do a translation in your family speech. So mother says, hi, how are you? What does she mean? 
she means, I hope you didn't go shopping on sale today. Your response is, oh, nothing special, which means none of your business. Then mother goes, what time did you leave your house today? She's going, oh, I smell something going on, and therefore I'm asking you specifically your day. And you go, eh, sometime in the morning a little later. She goes, ah, so I know you did it in the morning. So what exactly did you do in the morning? Did you speak to this sister? No. Did you speak to this brother? No. Ah, so you went somewhere, and they usually guess with that one because they know who your support system is. So you went with that friend, and all of a sudden they got you. And you're going, maybe. And then sure enough, and the whole, there's, I, I do an entire session on overt and covert messages in the family, and that's when it's so difficult. You be regular and be normal. If you feel you're yelling too much, take a parenting course. Take a little relaxation. Take a day off. Ask your husband to have two, three hours, you know, off. Let him be home one evening, and you take a go. There was more um, from that. From that answer, then I understood that to it was it was better to yell than to be absolutely um, tense and low and calm. No, like, no. I am discussing programs where there's major trauma going on in the house, and I would say it's easier to heal trauma, and I, and I can't see whoever depends on who. But generally, it's easier to heal the trauma of a parent that was openly abusive because at least the kids can acknowledge it was wrong, it was danger, there was trauma, there's negative programs that I learned and from where, rather than the covert where it takes months of work or they're continuing the damage, two, three generations, and you can't change it because they're saying, I'm healthy, I'm normal. They're less aware of what actually happened. Yes, and it takes months of work. And many times they won't even go to a therapy or they'll cop out. That's the danger of the denial, that it continues to the next generation and we rationalize it so much that it happens. So I would like to thank you for that awareness and for that question. Harav Nissa, what do you say to this about what's happening? Do you agree with me? What's your thoughts? I know, 100%. is nothing that uh, to be and disagree about it because really that's, it's, as you said, it's... Uh, Many of us, uh, all of them need some kind of parenting, uh, you know, classes yeah. to understand, you know, that. And uh, as you said before, that I, I don't see any husband or any parent, or any father or mother is not getting to reach a point of frustration or frustrated and uh, anger sometimes. But it's a question of the proportion and where we uh, direct this uh, way of life, you know. It's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. We go to Mrs. L. Mrs. L. That's it, man. Chasing syndrome. First of all, just Hello? before I go to Mrs. L, I love our listeners and the knowledge that we have in our listeners. Someone just sent me the diagnosis. It's called Manchasen, uh, Manchasen syndrome. I thought it was Manchuria. I remembered something like that. Let me just do a quick search over here. But that is diagnosis where people, where parents will create by proxy. That's it. Where Manchosen, where people will create a diagnosis on their children where there's absolutely nothing wrong with them just to get the attention. And that is a diagnosis. Thank you. I appreciate so much the, the level of awareness and knowledge that we have by our listeners. Thank you. Okay, go ahead, Mrs. L. Yeah, hi. How are you? Um, I just had a quick question. Maybe it's not so quick, but ahead, I have two. It's never quick. That's the chance. Yeah. I have two kids, um, like an 11-year-old and a 9-year-old. Yes. The 11-year-old is too thin. Yes. The 9-year-old can can watch herself. Yes. Wonderful. How do you? Family. 
What? Wonderful, healthy family. Yeah. No, they're, they're great. They're both great. Yeah. But how do you, without putting the second one on a guilt trip for always taking second helpings, but on the other hand, with the older one that you're trying to get to eat more, you're always trying to get him to eat the second helping or to take a little piece of dessert or to finish the food on his plate. Yes. And, this and then so the second one feels okay. like, you know, you're stuffing his face. But, like, when I asked the second dessert, it's like, you had enough. You want a fruit now? Yes. So let me share with you a, one of the basic parenting. And, of course, oh, the older one is a boy. The younger one is a girl. Doesn't so the younger matter. one is the one who's, okay. you don't want to create too much of an awareness. Yeah. Okay, great. So let's go ahead and deal with your question. This is a basic site in parenting that I do when we do the parenting class. And by the way, for those of you who've had such a huge request for parenting, Merit Hashem, we're going to be advertising it over here on JRIT Radio. Merit Hashem, we're going to be doing it after Pesach. I'm probably going to do it about two or three weeks after Pesach. We'll do a parenting and we'll give you more information then. We're still on target with that. But I'll just share with you some of the theories. And some of the theories are is we need to learn to individualize the parenting system that we do with parent with kids and that is and we part of the level that we're going to learn is how to feel safe to say this kid needs this you need that and we individualize what everyone needs that means a parent will be able to take the kids and we teach you how to do it take them to the side and explain you have something that you're eating and we want to keep your weight to a healthy weight why not because it's going to look good and because of the clothing no that creates a, an unhealthy body image which unfortunately is creating what's happening in the system and as we brought down many times the mishnah in mesech shabbos brings down that the women in the previous generations wanted to look heavier because it was a sign of health and being able to live through diseases that would have that time and to be able to be the right person to have children. It's a, a healthy body shows a sign of health. So those times the women wanted to look heavier and a certain keli, like a certain necklace was also to wear on Shabbos. Today's generation, due to media, to become skinny and anorexic and tell people how good you look, the media has created that. And it's unhealthy and it's sickly. And we go on that many times not to encourage someone that looks skinny to say, you look so good, don't. Now, to get to your question... What we want to do is individualize to our children and tell them, to each kid we focus what you need. If you need more time studying for homework, we'll do that. If you need a math tutor, we'll get that. You need someone for Gemara, we'll get that. If you need someone for Gemara and your sister needs something for math, we do that. So now what I'd like you to recognize is for your health reasons, you're eating in a level that's not proportion, not that you need for food. It's eating it because you're just used to eating, so therefore we're going to teach you balance. And you can share with them, and your sister that is not eating enough, we need to work on your sister to eat more because she needs to have more nutrients in her body. So as you see, we are not against anyone that is heavier or we're not against someone that is skinnier. We're not against someone that's eating more or someone that's eating less. We are focusing on health. And this child needs this. We will do that. Your, your sister or brother will need that. We are going to focus on that. So now, when I'm going to tell this one to eat more, it's not because we're pro or con against food it's because that's what this child needs and if we're going to be reminding you it's about you what you need for your healthy body that's the focus and happens to be in the book in chapter five which we have the chapter on how to say no that is a part of the program part of the program is to learn how not to say it in a negative way we're telling you don't eat because you're bad we're telling it to you in a positive way we want you to be healthy so therefore eat an apple we're focusing on your health, so therefore eat more because your health. It's not about the no, it's about focusing on the yes that you are saying. And in that chapter, we go into it on a more, on a more detailed level. 
Oh, just a question already about the parenting class. This is going to be for men and women. It's going to be over the phone, by the way, because it gets whatever. I'm not going to go into the situations, but that's what's going to go. One more thing I just I'm going to mention over here, just two minutes, and I don't want to go much into it because I really did not want to announce it on the radio. But from the phone line, I'm getting a huge amount of questions. We'll just share my phone line number, and that's again a free chesed I do that's my father. And that's 718-298-11, 718-298-2011. And we also have over there my colleague, Hanech Kron, which also answers daily questions and answers in Section 7. My daily questions and answers is Section 6. Section 1, our live shirim that we have. But we've gotten a lot of issues about Pesach, how to create it calmly. And I was going to do a one-evening, two-and-a-half-hour program, two-hour program, that that there was going to be a little charge for. And for that number, for those of you who would like, I'll just announce it once, but it's not here for announcing like to play. It's just 201-691-7626, 201-691-7626. But that's basically how to bring in Pesach calmly, happily, how to get your kids to do their chores or their tasks that you want, how to get a devatayr is prepared, how to have just simple stuff. They're nothing major, but simple and to make it extremely affordable, it'll probably be about 60 or $65, something like that. But again, that's not the focus. Just about, we got over here about the Pesach anxiety. I want to deal with it. It's not something meant to be addressed and to have. It's just meant to dealt with, deal with. So now again, about going back to the same question about the parenting. Focus on individualizing it. Harvinson, what do you say about that with the food? Well, how do you do it with your kids? Yeah, I have the same issue with my, my kids also. You know, some kids like to eat more and some things. We're trying to give my wife, trying to do the, you know, healthy food, salads, vegetables, fruits, all this uh, together and try to bring them. I know that the biggest, for us, as a parent, the biggest issue is basically what happened in schools. And this is the big fight, or I would say this is the big awareness to all of us that we're trying to bring the yeshivot to bring a better you know, incentive. For example, if you're doing good, don't give the kids a soda or danishes. Give some something, you know, a prize, teach, a, a prize, something, a prize, something other than that, food. And yeah. also, I know that some teachers, are, my my son-in-law, that is a rabbi in a school, is not allowed any snacks uh, that accept, you know, fruits and vegetables, stuff like this, in his classroom. I think this is very important to teach our children. And uh, I am a great believer that to take out all the soda machine, uh, all the candy machine from the yeshivot. Because it's really, it's, and I, I believe that it's not healthy and it's not fair. And I, in my point of view, it's really that we are poisoning our kids and putting a mechshol b'fneiver. This is my point of view. I know many, many people disagree with me. But uh, uh, that's, uh, that's why we had the, the nutrition uh, shows here. And everybody has agreed about this issue that we have to teach our uh, children how to eat the right way. Thank you. And beside this, you know, it's a big awareness about, especially in the girls' schools, about the the so-called the perfect figure, or it is that uh, they they starving themselves, and this is a big issue. I think that and we're seeing that now a lot in the boys. Guess, it's coming into yes. the boys' yeshivas about looking and skinny think, and the skinny clothing and the uh, tight clothing at, by the boys as yeah, well. I th- I think that we have to address it and the awareness of the teachers and the rabbinim and the parents. Please, this is very important to all, to all of us. So we... oh, one person's just sending a message. She shouldn't feed the undernourished and let go of the overweight. I went through both. Just focus on health. Be a sample to your kids, and with time, all will kick in. 
Thank you for that information. Yeah. I happen to agree with that theory as well that I was going to tell you. If it's a young kid, let him be. If the doctor says their weight is okay, like it's not that much. The doctor says watch the weight. Let kids be kids as well. Like, really let kids be kids. You can substitute, try to get rid of the nosh, and even the younger one, eat a little more. But that's some metabolism. Check your metabolism. I was thinking about that. Is you, are you or your husband just naturally skinny as much as you eat? There are many people that eat a lot. I know a lot of people, and they just have a skinnier metabolism. So leave it. Some people that have a slow metabolism, which will eat less. One other point that I would focus on the mahalach of yes telling them is sit down with them. Many times what they do in a lot of the diet systems or the healthy nutritionists is they plan out your day like your food and make sure there's enough food for the per, for your child that's heavier that they could enjoy it that they could be full don't starve them it's put tons of salad tons of soup there's a lot that they have you in fact from the dietitians they tell you eat three meals a day don't skip a meal because when you're hungry you're looking at food and then eventually you're going to break that diet when you're full you're satisfied maybe a whole bunch of snacks to your children might be great or whatever else there is. Thank you for the feedback. Go to Mrs. S. Mrs. S. You're on with Mordechai and Arav Nissen. And the number to call is 718-683-5858. The lines are full anyhow. But right, I just realized they usually... All right. Is that me? Yes, that is you. Oh, hi. Uh, firstly, congratulations on your new title. It's not just LCSW. It's author as well. Thank from you. From now on. I appreciate that. And that's that. really huge. Yeah, congratulations. My, my friends were teasing me on Shabbos. Noted author, prolific author. I said, I don't even know how many books were sold in one day. And they're ready. I uh, think it's going to be author of best-selling book oh, thank very you. soon. Thank you. It really, it was beautiful. I was so touched to get messages like clients were just sending me messages of friends that would text me, tell me, you wouldn't believe it. This store sold out. And then someone told me, check out Amazon. Amazon is out of stock. I was oh, like, wow. Oh, wow. That, yeah, it was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so um, just to comment on the first school, I also had a friend that was um, also doing the same thing, lying that she was dying or deathly sick, and she even started, starved herself, so she was like green, yellow, went into hospital and everything, but I was pre-warned, so um, I guess it wasn't that hard and I wasn't in the trap, but she had a lot of organizations that helped her out, and, and they were all fooled and yes. whatever, so such things happen, and it's nice to have the awareness yes. um, going out in the public. Yes. Okay, so my question. You um, know, hold on. While you gave that, let me also read a message that someone said because they agree. They said they also went through that. I'm just looking for it just to recognize that, unfortunately, a lot of people are sharing with us that the story has happened to them. Yeah. And um, you're not the only one. Yeah. Uh, okay, you know what? I'm not finding it right now, but someone sent a beautiful message about how it happened to them as well. Go ahead. What is your question? Okay, so my question is basically when to stop therapy. I started therapy for issues that really, like, were so, um, like, so huge that my, my daily life was, like, limited and revolving around it. And uh, quite a few years have passed. I've grown a ton, and I've changed to be the person I was really meant to be. But I'm pretty addicted because there's always growth when you go to therapy. It's just so nice and easy to have someone help you out to work on becoming a better person. And it's like, why should I stop and when should I stop? So I would first Besides ask you, the money. first of all, I appreciate, I appreciate the awareness that you're doing. We'll even discuss that in a minute. But my first question is, what does your therapist say about this question? She, um, I really want to want to like learn some some techniques and um 
like a, a certain type of healing, mm-hmm. and I want to uh, like help uh, help out other people. I want to like pass it on. That's what I always wanted all along from the beginning. I felt like when I'm going to be helped, I'm I'm going to pass that. Beautiful. So she really pushes me to to get training and okay, and good, get going. And is, while your, I train, I'm gonna good good. Well, hold on a second. I'm going to yeah. just this initial question. What does your therapist say? When are you done? She says that. She, she says that there's always room for more, but when I'll train, I'll learn more techniques, I'll do it on myself. Uh, so I, I, I don't believe like that for I'm a second. Tapping. Hold on, you do it on yourself? Um, like, yeah. All right, yeah, so it's like you, you, you're tuned in. You're, you could... You could, uh, no, yeah, you, you can't. Could. All right, so let me, cl- okay, no, let me share with you my beliefs. Not traditional therapy. Doesn't not, have to I'm be. Let's say, even if you want to call it dowsing kinesiology, I know all of those anyhow. We're not going into that. Let me share with you then my beliefs, and we'll yeah. see, and, you, and feel free to disagree, because many people disagree, and they're okay. allowed to. Number one, there's a concept that I share from a Gemara, but I found it all over the world, that's Ein Chavish Mater Asurim. means a person that's locked in jail, the guy could be a master escape artist, but when he is stuck mm-hmm. in jail, they can't get themselves out of. And that is why, that even though I've made my own system, like inner child therapy, which heals the subconscious, me, myself, I need to go to my associate, I get sessions now every single week on me. And even though I made a system, means Osmolakit, I put several techniques which deal with the subconscious. I myself, if I need to use my logic brain, I can't think and get helped at the same time. And therefore, most doctors do not work on their own family, especially therapists. It's unethical to do work on yourself or on your family. I should say on your family or friends. It's unethical. So what I'd like you to, to know is even in the alternative world, which means there are tools that you can use, I could tune in and see what's bothering me. Of course, I can use cognitive therapy. Say, okay, I'm upset. What am I upset at? And use the tools, take the list, write it down. What solutions do I have? But those are problems. Let's assume we can give problems from zero to 10. 10 is the highest. Up to problem number six, we could do work on our own. Six to 10, we are blind. You cannot have the same brain that came up with the problem to come up with the solutions. You need someone out there to help and to guide you. And this is something why Gedolim at all times speak to other Gedolim. And wherever you turn, a Bezdin, there was, a, uh, there was the Bezdin of the Sanhedrin, of Ayim Bez. Why? Because you had to be able to have people bigger discuss, hear it, hear the theories. So my theory is it is impossible to grow just by yourself, period, and ever. You and might need to, downtime, to, but... Like to any level? You say I didn't say to any level. Possible? I said from zero to ten, oh. from to up to problem six, you can help yourself. But when you need to right. grow, grow is from six to ten. When Hashem challenges, you know you cannot work on yourself when you're really being challenged. You could use the tools, but you're going to need to open up to a friend. You're going to need to have someone go along the trip with you. That's okay, the- so maybe I'll be more specific, and then your answer is going gonna, is gonna to watch more. What I'm talking about, um, like helping myself, is basically finding a behavior that I would like to change, finding the source of it, and, um, and you know, doing some techniques to... to like uh, to change. Okay, so I'm going to share with you. Let's, let's assume there's a system called EFT, Emotional Freedom Technique, which does tapping system. I'm not going to go into that, but I have a certification in that. And there's yeah. something that you can actually work on yourself a lot because you're tuning in and you're yeah, getting it. One other this, thing, but I'm yeah, actually learning now. Okay, well, anyhow, you know, I choose this, I feel this, I choose to feel that, and the whole saying. Now, I will share with you, if all you need to do is learn it, then just take a, have someone teach it to you for two hours, Mm-hmm. And then why go to an EFT therapist? I'm just showing a classical example. The answer is that you are blind to yourself. You cannot get to the cause of the problem on your own, period. 
for deep healing. Really? And I will disagree. Again, this is my opinion, but I want to be very strong about it. I will mm -hmm. disagree that it is possible to do, period. Unless right, so, you've got so someone my, guiding you and pushing you. No, the, the, like what I'm saying is it's not that I have anything that, like I'm, I'm desperate for help, I need help, and I'm not reaching out because like, I feel like I can do it myself. But there always is room to grow by myself, even just listening to your programs and, and applying it, studying it, applying it. The question is, I could continue forever because I like it and, and I agree with you very much. It's never the same. It's never the same. It's not to compare. So when stop, why stop? And is it possible to never stop? Okay. So let me clarify this, and let's clarify this point as well. I tell my clients, and I make a very strong differentiation between growth and between therapy. And growth will happen forever. Therapy is when you have a blockage that you're aware of and you're not able to do it on your own. On your own does not mean doing it by yourself. On your own means that you need someone that's experienced and trained and that very few people can do to help you move past that. But once you have the ascites within you, clients ask me, how do we know when we stop? And I can tell you every single, I shouldn't say every single one, 98% of my clients have told me, you know something, I'm ready to stop. How do we get there? And what's the lesson? The lesson is when the person says, you know something, I have now more support systems. I have my friend that I speak to. I have a, 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 someone that, a business partner I speak to. I'm able to reach out to this rub for guidance. I'm able to create some support system. When the person is able to branch out, when someone is a client of mine, one of the healthy steps are they must be able to connect out of me. And I tell them, I am here and I take a lot of money and we got to have the results and the movements. You got to be on your own. I grow all the time. But when I want to grow, I talk over with friends. When I need inner work, it means I am blind or I'm stuck in a place that by talking about it, it won't stop. So growth is when you have friends and you need to learn to have other people other than your therapist. Therapist is meant for inner blockages that cannot be changed by talking with others. And that's the differentiation how I have. Inner growth, I do forever. And sometimes I used to take sessions once in two weeks that was for inner growth or that was to push myself further. When I need therapy, I know this is for therapy. And now I am in therapy and I need therapy. So I hope this will be a good clarification. And again, for those of you that talk about I'm inner growing and I could work on myself in a very strong belief that's not true. You are blind at a certain level. You could call it growth, but do not call it therapy. Therapy is when you face major blockages that you yourself cannot come up with on your own and you'll need more tools than just that a paper can do. And this is an issue sometimes that I get where people go, oh, I don't need to go to therapist. I bought a self-help book. My book is a self-help book. It'll give in your own awareness. It'll give you some tools. But when you're really blind, when you're really affected, self-help books will not do that. You need therapy. That you need someone to tell you you are blind. That is wrong. And that's really how the Musa Svarim and how Musa movement is meant to be with the Magitshir, with the Rebbe that's speaking to you one-on-one. -on -one. All right, Harav Nissim. Who do we have next? Mrs. M. Mrs. M. You're on the air with Mordechai and Harav Nissim. Hi. Yes. Hello. We hear you. Okay. Um, I have a question. Wait, we're barely hearing you, actually. Can you uh, can you speak clearer or more into the phone? Is this better? Sure, much better. Okay, so my question is like this. Um, I'll give you an example first, and then we can take it to, like, general. Wait, we're not hearing oh. you again. Is there something with your phone? Can you call back? We'll put you on if you call back from another line. 
of our landline? Um, yes, I'll try. Okay, great. So we're just going to go over here. I'd like to bring up a question until she calls back, till we get Mrs. M back on. There was a question, what do I say about ECT? ECT is actually a process, a system that very few people know about, and it's quite a severe system, and it's called electroconvulsive therapy. It used to be done in the 1950s and 60s, and it was it looked very barbaric, and people did not want to do that. And that's for people that were, have diagnosis that medications are not able to help. It means, unfortunately, for people that want to take their own lives, people that want to take other people's lives, like the children's lives, a major disorder, where people have certain diagnosis that nothing is working, and they are far from functioning. What ECT is, is basically you electroshock the brain. It's like a pacemaker, sort of, like where you would shock the heart and then restart if someone has a heart uh, irregular heartbeat. So what they've done is, and they re they shock the brain, and this way, like, start it from scratch. And when it, like, shut down and start again in the computer, it helps. I um, I know, I don't want to mention the person's name, but someone that I respect highly, and a psychiatrist, that he believes in that. I've seen several beautiful results from this treatment, but I just want to be aware there are some side effects possibly to happen. First of all, many times they need to do this process, sometimes six or seven times. It is done in a hospital. It's done by medical doctors. Just to be aware, it's a more serious type of treatment. It could have side effects of memory loss, sometimes short-term memory loss, sometimes permanent memory loss, depending on how severe the situation is. But for some people that have serious diagnosis that medication has not helped, and when I say serious, I mean they're not functioning in life. These are one of the treatments that they do. It's a lot better results today. It's a lot more humane. Those times it looks like you see the person's body shaking all over and it had to be stopped, but the, the results were many times there. I'm not going forward or against it, just informing that there's an interesting information for people to know. And this got to be done through a doctor and evaluations and everything along those lines. But thank you for that one. Um, great. Mrs. M is back on the line? Great. You're on. Yes, I'm back. Okay, so the thing is like this. I saw something in my daughter that triggered me. And I have the awareness now, but I'm not sure how to implement it in my life, how to learn from it. So I'll give you the example, and then maybe you can help me figure it out. Um, so for me, one of my like biggest nightmares for me is to be fat, and I like I was always thin, and I I my nature is to be thin, and for me it's like a given in my mind that my, all my kids are going to be thin, and that you know. Stop there whatever. a second. You just said, so, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's let's stop at that. Let's let it, for Hold on. Let's start. That. Let's start at step one. Let's start at step one. Step one is you said it's in your nature to be thin. Now, um, so there's a gene. Hold on, I see you're still talking. I'd like you to stop. We've lowered your mic, so I'd like you to listen a moment. Hello? Hello? My daughter has a gene. All right. I was triggered. All right, so let's go ahead and take this question. And what we're going to deal with over here is the concept about. I'm by nature skinny. I want to remain skinny, and I always have to be skinny. I got some news for you. I don't know how skinny you really are by nature. I really don't know. If you're thinking about weight that much, in the AA terms, like in the alcoholic terms, they call it a dry alcoholic. That's a person that might not be drinking, but they are still so alcoholic, all they do is they're talking about it and thinking about it. And there's like the famous joke how the guy goes, I'm so thirsty, I'm so thirsty. There's are two roommates and one guy's going, oh my gosh, you're thirsty. Stop it. Or I'm so thirsty. I'm so thirsty. Finally, 
Finally, after 20 minutes, this guy gets up, gets him a cup of water and says, here you go. He makes a bracha, drinks, thinks of Barna Fosh says, thank you so much. Oh, was I thirsty. Oh, was I thirsty. Oh, was I thirsty. You want to get over it. For someone that's skinny and naturally skinny, generally, they will not be talking about food and about being skinny that much. Unfortunately, when people have a a distorted view of their body or fear of being heavy. So my question would be to you, and I don't want you to respond. Which one of your parents had a major fear about being heavy or which one of your siblings was heavy? And because of that, they got attacked, they got ridiculed, they were made fun of, whatever it should be. But that is the fear. That's something that we want to discuss over here and to wonder what is going on because your level of food and your level of concern about that is Bechal not is Bechal not a healthy level? So my information to you is we're not even going to address your question about your daughter. What we'll do is, and here's something I will send you to, which people don't don't enjoy that much when I say go to a therapist. You've got a major issue about food or distortion. And that's something that we need to address and something that I'd like you to recognize. Something is highly unhealthy about your view of food and food and it can get over to your children. Let's go ahead and read this one question that you'd like. Hey, thank you so much for your amazing show. I really enjoy it. I'm in high school and was wondering what to do if there's a girl in my class who is anorexic. Wow. I had told an adult, but I don't know if anything is happening. And if she is getting anything to help her out. I know someone else who was anorexic and now cannot. Okay, it affected their entire body now. Thank you. Hi, Avnissan, join me in on this one. You know, but uh, because right now we see that uh, the topic of food on this uh, show and uh, everybody becomes so fashion and uh, crazy about uh, looking at other, other people's bodies. And I know that in the Shiduchim is a very big issue also that uh, they become like uh, in the resume, what kind of size, what size and all this stuff. I would say that first of all to this girl that wrote about it, I would say that the first thing is try to contact the parents of this girl that you think maybe the parents don't know about it. Exactly. And, and who's the very, adult that you said? Exactly. exactly. Yes. This is something that you have to be, be aware. And I would say that to all the girls, if you see another girl that you suspect somebody, don't give her any compliment about a show, about about a figure. They say, oh, you look you said the opposite. So you look pale. What's wrong with you? You're tired. You look very tired. You just try to discourage this kind of craziness of movement. That uh, I know that uh, this uh, disorder is also from pressure, and especially when girls now in the, in the teenagers and the, the unfortunately the, the schools are putting a lot of pressure on the girls about wedding, about all this stuff that. This has to be uh, go, come out, and I think that there are a lot of teachers and a lot of schools uh, has to be awareness. I think that in the last three years, Mordechai, correct me if it's not true, that we're trying to give this awareness to all the teachers, to all the adults, to all the parents. Unfortunately, yes. we all, all, all of us, as this issue and we're facing it. It's, 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 I think that I speak, I've spoken with a lot of people. It's somehow it's kind of epidemic and, and a certain issue. Yes. And I would tell you first, I want to give you credit and I want to give to all those teenagers that you've got this issue where you see a friend is anorexic or a friend has got a, fr has got a major issue. And I talk major issue. What I'd like you to recognize and to do is 
reach out to help. Sometimes they go, oh, I feel so bad, or they promise me to secrecy. You need to understand that as a teenager, you don't know sometimes when you need to break that secrecy. Even legally as a therapist, there are certain times that legally I must break confidentiality, especially if it's a life and death situation, and we don't consider it as if I'm breaking a promise, which means I will have to deal with a person and say, this is something I need to tell, this is something legally I need to deal with. But what you need to understand is there are times when it's more important to do the right thing than to and to learn to say I'm sorry. Even though you're doing the right thing, you can learn to say you're sorry. Stuff like this of eating disorder, if you know someone is purging that they're vomiting, it's time for you to open up and to share it with a teacher and share it with the parent. They might be upset at you because sometimes they're in denial and you can say, I'm just informing you. Or you can tell them gently, I want to call you up. I don't know how to tell it to you, um, but I know your daughter is doing this and this. And yes, the friend might never trust you again. And yes, the friend might attack you, but know you're doing the right thing. And I'd like to just give you a muscle how to think of it. And then we'll hear from Harav, from Harav Nissen. In the parenting course at Metzisham, we're going to be doing this as a muscle that I give. And it goes as follows. If you have a child, let's call it a teenager, that's got a broken leg and doesn't want to go to the doctor, afraid of the cast, afraid of an x-ray. So they're stuck in bed. They can't get off the bed. You got to bring them breakfast, lunch, and supper. Then going to the bathroom. You just touch them. There's pain. It's unbelievable what you're going through. And the person says, I'm afraid. And maybe you're a parent and you gave in a day. But what would you say about the parent if you let them be there three weeks in bed, not getting off bed with a broken leg, not able to use the bathroom, not able to eat, not able to do anything because they're afraid of the doctor? What would you say? Would you say it's healthy? Or will you say it's your job as a parent to say, we're calling the hot solo, we're getting you on a stretcher off the bed, we're going and you can yell, scream, fight. We need to be the logical part of the kid's brain. We need to understand that as adults, what the, what the word of responsibility means is that we need to make tough decisions where sometimes it's unpopular. But if we're leaders that we're able to do it, we will get respect. And therefore, for all you teenagers that we hear it all the time, you're suffering in silence. And I'm not talking about the one with the pain. I'm talking about the one that they share the information with. And they see the person getting skinnier. They can see the person vomit. They can see the person not eating. They could see the person get worse. You could see the person fake it out to their, to their person like as if they're eating and then spit it out. Don't torture yourself. Learn to open up. Speak to your parents first. Speak to a teacher. Speak to a guidance counselor. Speak to the parents, but open up. Don't keep it in. Keeping it in is not healthy. The number for your question or comments is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And Harv Nissen, what do you say? I think 100% this is really uh, something so important. It's so it's a, it's a life and just, and again, just don't try not to fall in the fashion industry and there's all this kind of yes. stuff that uh, it's around us. And I tell, I tell you, I call also to the teachers, you know, don't compliment a girl or boy that it looks thin and don't, you know, something that's just the opposite. The opposite, it's no, it's, it's not healthy. It's something that has to be addressed. And uh, I think that also to all the uh, pediatric and doctors that uh, the kids going to... Uh, you know, just awareness the parents that there's something problem with the uh, food disorder, eating disorder. So, okay, we will go to Mrs. T. Mrs. T, you're on with Mordechai and Rav Nissen. Hi, good evening. Yeah. Um, I've called last week, and you probably remember, I asked for help because my mother-in-law was dying. Yes. And I was very scared. Yes. So I want to just tell you the outcome. Yes. Um, first of all, I want to thank you because um, you told me about balance, and yes. I thought about it, and 
I really try to balance and think of the whole picture instead of just what's happening right after. Oh, Baruch Hashem, and how, yes. And um, she um, unfortunately died a day later, and um, when I had to wake up my kids and tell them that their baby is not around, um, you gave me a very good um, idea, and my daughter said, no, mommy, you're lying. So I said, Tati, so Bobby, and he said that Bobby had a huge smile on her face, and she was very happy when she went to Hashem. Wow. And the kids took it really, really an ease, I have to say. Wow, Baruch Hashem. What a kiddush, Hashem. Thank you for that. Thank you. I actually had it a lot on my mind on your question and And, and I am going for therapy tomorrow to um, finish off because it's not so simple. And there are one awareness that I want to bring. First, I want to say that when death comes so close to you, you start really thinking that we're all here only temporarily. And what's really important is our children and our mitzvahs and, and to try and really do good and all the rest is like a picture frame. The real picture is not what we're wearing and not what we're eating and so on, a compliment, a uh. connection. That's yes. what matters at the end of the day. My mother-in-law was very young, and she never thought of that day, but it came, unfortunately. I can and tell you the same was with my father. My father was 58 years old when he was Nifter, and I remember I had a grandfather, which wasn't physically well then, and when with the family we would get together, like I take a lot of pictures like with my kids and the grandfather, you know, thinking who knows how long he will be around, not knowing that two months later my father will not be around, which looked healthy and everything as can be. And it's so true. We need yeah, to just and, wake up. And yeah. It really, it really gives you like a perspective. And the last thing I wanted to say, this is really an awareness. Um, it took me time to calm down. Um, she passed away on Wednesday morning, Tuesday middle of the night. And until Shabbos, I was not okay. I kept thinking and... It was very, very um, huge. And on Shabbos, I had a small talk with my husband, and I told him, you know, I need a little chizik because I'm so overwhelmed. Yes. And whether because my husband is sitting shiva and is a oval, or whether because I'm the leader in the house, he wasn't really able to provide me with any chizik. So then I realized we started schmoozing just about little things his mother liked and said and and memories, and after that, after speaking about her, I calmed down, and I was able to go back to life. I was able on Sunday to go to grocery and start over. Yes. So I think when people go be Menachemovel, don't ask questions. How long was she sick? What happened? Speak about the person. It really gives the ones who are um, mourning the ability to overcome that's how I felt, and maybe it's just me, but... I'd like to um, identify an awareness that you've brought up that very few people talk about, and that is the sons-in-laws, daughter-in-laws, brother-in-laws. And while halach is that the children sit shiva, when someone's in the family for 10, 20, 30 years, and they have a close relationship to their in-laws, you become children. There's an emotional attachment. And even the Gemara even brings a havamina down, and some Andamram held, which we don't pass in that way, that son that a son-in-law is allowed to sit shiva out of out of covet for the father-in-law, for the mother-in-law to sit shiva as well. 
That I've never heard of. No, we don't in that way, but the Gemara brings it down as a mandama, as, as a question. Do they, don't they? And one says yes, one says no, we don't pass in that way. But what I'd like to create the awareness is that your mother was nifter to you as well. You might not be a biological kid, but the love, I can tell you I have a huge love and respect to my in-laws and to my brother-in-laws and sister-in-laws. To me, they're part of the family. You know, may everyone be lived till 120, but the concept to bring in is that you're going through a trauma as well. It's your mother-in-law, but notice the title mother-in-law, but still mother there. It's and, true. That's why I have a therapy session tomorrow. That's right. And what I'd like you to recognize is, and to create an awareness that while many people always focus on the actual child, to recognize that the, that the spouses, they've also suffered. And they feel the loss and they feel the love. And sometimes they feel the guilt and sometimes they feel the anger. There are a lot of emotions that go through the son-in-law and daughter-in-law, and sometimes they say, like, we have to be the silent people. We have to provide the food. We have to provide the encouragement. But who's helping us? And that's why I like your mention. That's why I'm mentioning it on air for so many people to listen. If you're a son-in-law or a daughter-in-law or if you're a brother-in-law or sister-in-law, you're also being affected. And you might yell at your kids. You might be tense at your kids. You might be quiet. You might be down. And recognize that it's a normal part of what you are going through. And I totally agree. Thank you. And I'm glad you created that awareness. And the Rabbi Shalom should help that your mother-in-law's neshama should be tachas kanfei And with all the love, and you see how great you are and how great your husband is and the children are, that everything should be a male tziyosha, every mitzvah that we do, without even having to have in mind as a schus every single second for the neshama. And maybe see, maybe be zoicha to Mashiach and tchis ha-meisim Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you. Thank Good you. night. Certainly. Good night. Okay. Good night. We have Mayor. We have Mayor. Mayor, you're on there with Mordechai and Harav Nissim. Hello. Yes. Yeah, thank you for your amazing program. I have a question. Um, there's, a, there's a kid in my class that I'm not asking any questions on my Rebbe because you can't do that. But there's a kid in my class who's gets in trouble sometimes. And Marabi gives him a punishment. He, I'm not, not saying he shouldn't. But the kid's very emotional, and he starts crying. And then all of a sudden, Marabi starts saying, so, see, and then he has tears in his eyes, and the kid gets really, really insulted. Am I supposed to go over to the Rebbe and, like, start talking to him? And if, if I'm supposed to, how am I supposed to do that? Wow, that's a loaded question. Let me repeat the question to make sure I got it clear. You got a Rebbe that there's a kid in your class that's very sensitive that makes a lot of trouble. When your Rebbe... Tri- no, 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 no. It doesn't make a lot of trouble. Sometimes oh. it makes trouble. And my Rebbe gives him a very big assignment. So your Rebbe would give him a bigger assignment than anyone else for the same type of trouble? No, a big assignment. He gives everybody big assignments. Oh, not good. See, he's not picking on, on him. Right. What I want to clarify is that he's not just picking on him. Your Rebbe gives no. big assignments. And this kid is more sensitive that when he gets a big assignment, yes. he's going to cry. Yes. Now... Now I got the question. Now, now I got the story. Now your question is, should you go over to the Rebbe and tell the Rebbe that this kid's got tears in his eyes? Yeah, and if I do, how do I approach him? Ah, and let's question, let's make, let me ask you. Let's assume that the Rebbe is a smart, good Rebbe. And let's assume that the Rebbe is aware that this kid's got tears in his eyes. Why do you think the Rebbe would do that? Can we think of one positive why he's At- doing after, after he cries, he says, see, and this guy has tears in his eyes after, after, and he's like, he, he says it, and that makes it worse. After, after the kid, I'm done crying, see, and when he does something else again, he says, remember last time you had tears in your eyes? Okay, you don't so say the, that in front of your whole, in the whole class. 
Alright. Now, let's try the other way. What do you think the Rebbe might be thinking about? What do you think the Rebbe... Now, we're going we're gonna to identify what you can do and speak to the Rebbe, but what do you think the Rebbe might be thinking? To teach the class a lesson? Or maybe to teach this kid a little. Which means sometimes we need okay, a little... Okay, but he has to tell the whole class. It's not only this. He also talks about kids' marks during class. Okay, then this is general that we would... Alright, so let's take a step back then, because... That's generally not the style and not the way we do things today. But let's go ahead and identify your part. All right, let me tell you first my thought. Let's go back because, like, my mind is scattering. Many times what a rabbi might be trying to do is that there's something like called exposure therapy. It means the only way we can get over it is if you actually feel and experience it. And maybe this kid with the parents and the Rebbe worked out together that the Rebbe will not treat him special, and while he might have tears in his eyes once, twice, three times, or five times, but after the seventh time, he'll toughen up, and he won't have tears. And they might have discussed it. That's just one Mahalach. Nisim doesn't like that answer. Now, I think Harv Nisim wants to go, the Rebbe's not qualified, and the Rebbe's doing a major mistake. No, just, no, no. The man is a very experienced Rebbe. He knows a, what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. So let's assume that your Rebbe has some idea what's happening. And what I would like to then address, what your part is, you go over to the Rebbe at a calm, quiet time, like at recess, and tell the Rebbe, Rebbe, can I speak to you about something that I see that you do, and I just mean to ask you why you do it, because it bothers me, especially if he's experienced. The Rebbe might tell you, what is it? I very much encourage my clients to disagree with me, and even on the phone line, like if someone has, now, if someone's got an issue with what I'm saying, please tell me you disagree. Or you won't understand it. I'll clarify something. Rebbe's like, Mary was like the type of say, what's your business? Um. Right. So now if you tell the Rebbe, what I want to ask you something, not because I, uh, privately, not one-on-one, say, it bothers me when I see this kid in tears and it bothers me because I respect the Rebbe, but yet you're doing something that's hurting someone. Do you have a reason for that? Or why? If you're honest, not to chepa the Rebbe, not to undermine him, not to say you're crazy... But tell him, Rebbe, it bothers me when I see this kid's got tears and it hurts me. Does it hurt you? Because that's what I hear in your voice. Does it hurt I you have... or are you afraid your Rebbe's going to do it to you? No, it, it hurts me. I don't, I don't care. I'm not the type of kid that my Rebbe would care. That my Rebbe would do that. Right. So it bothers you when you see a kid hurt? Yeah. So that's what you'll tell the Rebbe. And tell him, Rebbe, I'm not here for chutzpah or any which way. The Gemara has an entire... Blot of Gemara. I'm trying to remember now which Masech and where it is, but where they ask the Rebbe, where they ask the Tal- where the Talmud Master Rebbe, some unique questions. And the Rebbe, you know, Talmud Basilomad, like they asked a question which could confront the Rebbe, where they could have taken as chutzpah. And when the Rebbe says, "What are you doing?" When the Tanaim said, "Why are you asking?" He says, "No, no, I'm not asking out chutzpah. I'm asking out Talmud. I really want to understand how do you do this and how do you do that." If you tell your Rebbe, "I'm genuinely concerned, and it hurts me." Could you just tell me why you do it? And you could do the same thing when you tell kids marks out loud, I cringe from pain or how embarrassed a kid feels. And yeah, if your Rebbe yeah. still says, no, I, I'm a big believer in speaking it out. Not in front of the class, not when your Rebbe says, and this boy got a 74, you go, Rebbe, that's not nice, so you're embarrassing. No, no that's no, not I coveted. Do that. I know that, but if you go over to the Rebbe and say, Rebbe, when can I speak to you five minutes about something that bothers me a little, that I feel hurt by? And you'll say, I'm not here for chutzpah, and I'm not here to do anything. You're just here to clarify. When, when they, people feel genuine honestly, they usually will respond honestly. All right? Yeah, thank you very much. You're welcome. We're just going to take over your question from the Lakewood Scoop over here. How do I get my teenage daughters to help me clean for Pesach? 
The short version, again, I guess we're going to address it. That's part of what I feel is an entire topic. And I happen to have a topic on that. Let's go see where we, on my phone line, where there's an hour that's free. Um, a complete program. I'll find out. We'll look for that as we get around it. But um, one of the points are, oh, we got a good topic, by the way. For those of you who are busy with OCD, we had one that came before Pesach. How do you recognize when OCD cleaning for Pesach is real or if it's OCD, which means you're doing the healthy level? And that's on my phone line, 718-298-2011. That program is, I just found it and I lost it. It is in section number one. Here it is, number 11, program number 11 in the English, and then section number 4, it speaks, it's in Yiddish, it's program number 12. And for those of you that want more, again, we'll just say one more time, I'm going to be having a program, Eretz Hashem, special for Pesach, one time, two and a half hours, that number to sign up is 201-691-7626, specifically for this, where I'll give you the full details, how do you start doing it, how do you organize it, but the short version is going to be, speak to your daughters, Give the tasks that you want, write them down, speak to them how much time you want them to help, an hour or two hours, work it out with them when it's best for them, but if it doesn't work out, be ready and safe to delegate. These jobs need to get done, and these jobs need to get done by this and this day. You also want to understand that they've also got some time off, and that they might want to have some time with their friends. And one last point of all is, get help if you need cleaning help. Let's not turn our kids into our cleanings, into our cleaners, because then they will unfortunately resent it further on and further down. But that's the short version. Harv Nissim, who do we got next? Miss H. Miss H. You're on with Mordechai and Harv Nissim. Yeah, hello? Gap? Um, I don't really hear you so quick, so clearly. Okay, I don't know why. All right, we'll try to take care of that. Oh, now I do. Okay, <laughs> excellent. Sorry. It was probably a mistake with my phone. All right. Um... Yeah, I called a few weeks ago about a self-confidence issue. Yep. Well, remind me. Um, I was a bit upset about... I went to a social worker and I Yes, I remember like, that. Now, sure, we discussed it. Yes, very clearly. And we discussed maybe... Yes. Yeah. So, the... So, I have very good and positive feedback for you. Thank you. So let's go share with everyone what the point was when you called up was that you have an issue with therapy because you needed therapy as a girl. You went to th you went to the therapist, but kids were like making fun of you that you were going to a therapist. and They made comments. And what we discussed was the suggestion that I gave you was that we all go. We all have something that kids will make fun of. And therefore, what we would like to do is to recognize that it's a strength. And if we can overcome that and accept our limitations and break that perfectionist theory, um, we just feel a freer life, correct? Right. Great. And can you share with me, even though I said what I suggested, what suggested, but can you tell me what you took out of my suggestion then? Um, I don't remember like the exact words that I told you, but it was basically that now I knew I know how to deal with problems. Now, let's say last week I had a problem and I overcame it because of I knew that I'm worth something, and I dealt with it. Magnificent. So out of our conversation, you worked out with a self-worth that I have worth, even if I go for help or even if there's something wrong, and I don't need to get knocked down from that. Right. And you had a difficulty last week, and you were able to overcome it because you now have a self-worth. Mm-hmm. Magnificent. Thank you for the feedback. Also, yes. um, 
about what you said before, like about the daughters-in-law and sons-in-law? Yes. Like by the Shiva? Yes. So we, um, I had a similar situation, and I was a grandchild, and yeah, it's really, really, really true. That you can be a grandchild, and just because we're not sitting Shiva as grandchildren does not mean that we're not feeling a major loss. Right. And does not mean that our mind isn't reeling and isn't having doubts and isn't having fears. Mm -hmm. And isn't that getting nervous or tense? Right. Yeah. Thanks for always being there. <laughs> My pleasure. And we can Including your phone line. Thank you. I was going to say that's really where I'm there. It's really the phone line that's there when people can just call in. And Again, I'm inscribing on my book to Rav Nissen. And one of the things I'm writing over here is the Rav should just mention with all the chef father, the way he's helping thousands of people every single minute and second, the Rav Nissen should just give him, his family, his wife, his children, Einikloch, Shefa, Bracha, Vatzloch, and Siyat I really believe Rav Nissen is someone that's here all the time. Amen. Uh, thank you. Uh, I want to, to just to add about this that somebody called and I also from my personal uh, life when I sat to Shiva and both my parents, I lost them very young. My mother was 54, my father 60. So I, I know that in the Shiva it was like a very, some kind of, when we talk about uh, our par my parents and with me and my sibling, and the brother-in-law and sister-in-law we said basically was like uh, I don't know call it reunion or talking it took a lot of uh, the pain off and just give us uh, I don't know kind of uh, quietness and coming that we had an excellent brother uh, father and mother and all this stuff and it's really come down to the uh, the pain of losing and I, I'd say that uh, See, I, I, my my father outside is next week, and it's wow. almost forty years that I lost him. And I tell you, it's no such thing that you don't see him like uh, like it's happened today and something like that. I I believe that you have the same experience, and it's 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 amazing. And it's really that the the shiva, uh, it's it's very unique. It's very important. It's not. Our chachamim, our our Torah is not uh, it, it's not some stam that create this uh, seven days of mourning that, to give us koach and to stand up and rebuild ourselves on on the, the what is we lost. Yeah, beautifully said. Beautifully so, said. So we'll go to Mrs. R. Yeah, Mrs. R. That will be our last caller for the evening. Hello, Mrs. R. Hi. First, of, first, I want to give you a mazel tov for the new publication, the publication of your new book. Thank We're you. We're so excited. And again, just to tell everyone, because those people that are listening now live, I've written a book, came out on Friday, Baruch Hashem, called Alive, A 10-Step Guide to a Vibrant Life. And Baruch Hashem, it is literally like being sold off the shelves. We've had several stores say that they're already out of the book and they've pre-ordered it. They have reordered it again. Amazon, it was so cool to go on the phone, told me, check it out. And Amazon says out of stock. They've sold, you know, from the pre-orders. It just hit the stores on Friday and now it's Monday. So... To have that in three days for them to be out of stock is a, is great. And there's a lot of interest in the positive feedback that's coming across as Bachsham. Great. So I want to thank you all for listening and try to get whatever copy you can still get. Go ahead. What was your comment? Question. 
Um, comment, or actually, yeah, question. Um, I, of course, I right away grabbed it off the shelf from Amazon, you know, and I don't know why. I always, like, sometimes I think to myself, you're just not normal. Why are you even doing it? Due to my, to my disability, I can't even read it. But then I think to myself, so I order it, and then I, I make sure that people read it for me. You know, although it's not so much fun to make sure people read it for you because, you know, and I was like still wondering if it's a possibility of audio form. I'll tell you what, that's a fantastic idea and we'll run it by Artscroll because they are the ones that they're the publishers and everything I'm doing to work by them. I don't know what it takes to get an audio form. I think that they have a new program that basically scanning it and reading it translate to a voice. And I think if you search it, I, I see, I, as I saw it recently, I think it's Israeli invention. And I think that it's, uh, it, you can buy a purchase this software and, and, and online. But uh, I saw it. I saw it 100%. Wow. So that's something, an idea. And as you're sort of asking, a lot of people have asked me, when are we translating the book to Yiddish? You know, I, I happen to love the request and the interest to that. And the answer is that we just got to take one step at a time. First, let's get the book to sell. First, let's see that people are interested. In two days, we see that. And like one step at a time, then we need to find out what's the next process. So step one is let's have this out there for a week or two. If you'd like, I could even make the recommendation for you then to contact Artscroll and speak to them or I'll be there to speak to them tomorrow. What's the possibility and what does it take to do that? And if you'd like, feel free, Google their number, you can ask them, and you maybe even help them out. I don't know what's needed. Um, and I appreciate the interest. Yeah, I would love that. You know, it's like after all, you know, how, much, how many favors is it, is it like comfortable to ask from people? And especially if I ask, let's say, from a neighbor or girl, if I ask from her to read it, when I ask her to read a novel, it's like something that she also enjoys. They ask her to read such a thing, and I mean, not all not all kids enjoy reading, you know. I mean, such such deep stuff. So that's why, you know, I, I just feel you know, I, let's I just turn know your that question. she'll do let's, a favor, but yeah. um, you know, it's not so easy. You know, let's turn your question and sometimes into like a reality. Like people have got great ideas, including I've got great ideas. Sometimes we need to do that balance of can I do that? Can others do it? Is it someone else can uh, can step up up to the plate? If I would spend, let's say, two, three weeks researching this, I might not do something else. It was just great to create the awareness that many times people ask me, like, a lot of great, great ideas. You know, people ask me to do this and do that. But the question is, I need to balance it. Can I do that? And that's why I really feel the easiest is if you contact Artscroll directly because they're the publishers. And, like, to empower you that the request is great. So go ahead, contact them, and, you know, I give you the permission to spearhead. Say you spoke to Mordechai, and Mordechai said it's a great idea. Find out how it's done. And then they'll contact me if I give the final permission. But speak to them. Work it out with them. Tell them why. Okay. Sounds great? Yeah. Excellent. Fine. I appreciate Thanks that. Thanks so much. I understand, I, I, I understand yeah. something a little bit different. Yeah. She, she wants to ask also about other books. What is the, uh, the issue about asking a... Uh, a girl from the neighborhood that can read a, 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 a Roman or something stories about yeah. she like. Yeah. Is it right? Okay. I'm sorry? Is that your question he was asking? Is that what you also asking a question about that it's hard to ask someone else to read you a book? Um, 
it's it's not you know what I mean. Um, Baruch Hashem, I'm not such a person. Certain people are just so afraid to ask from people. Yeah. I'm not so afraid to ask, but you know, of course, I should. You know, what I mean, today's days, today's technology. Uh, why shouldn't I try to use that instead of like, you know, trying to use out people's. I agree. Oh. I'll tell you, I happen to love the idea because there are many people that, let's say, for those that wanted the book in Yiddish, translating and doing that, if we're going to do that, is a whole process, but they might understand an audio. So there could be a huge request and a huge market for that. And again, as I always say, I can always use it's a great idea, and I anoint you with the right to uh, go ahead, contact them, speak to okay. them. It sounds like a great idea. I'd love to have it on audio. I don't know if it'll be my voice. Sometimes they'll have like those professional readers because they know how to read a certain speed, a certain voice. Maybe it'll even if they say it works out, maybe it'll even be me. We'll see how much time it takes. It might be interesting to have my own voice read my own book. I wonder how it would go and all those hours that get put into that. Who knows? Yeah, but and let's... you always say, like, you always hear you saying that you read read your own book like over and over. I do. It happens, but I read a little and, bit ADD. But I, I'm sure that you don't read it on voice, so that's why. No, you and I also skim difference. through. Like many times, I could go, "Oh, I need this chapter now." Like, why am I so frustrated? And like, I'm. It was just beautiful as I'm editing it and editing it and editing it. Like, wow, this chapter I need now, and I'm reviewing that, and I go, "No, I'm not changing anything. Just the way it is is what gave me the chizuk. I, if it's giving me chizuk, then I don't want to change it. And it was just nice. Thank you for the ideas, and I want to thank everyone for sending me their ideas and for their requests. And sometimes if I don't do it, it's not because I don't want to do it. It's just the balance that it takes to do it. And many times, if you have an idea, start ahead. Start getting all the information. Then when you come to me with a, quali with a full question, and here are the resources, how to do it, it makes it so much easier for me to take it as of, out of a theory to put it into a reality. You know what, I'll finish with this one little vart that I said. I made like, I don't even want to call it a kiddish, but I just had a couple of people together and just made a little l'chaim. And what our Palm said in last week's parsha is, why is it the Rabbi Yishleilam repeated Vayakal and Pekude over the entire sedra? We know that every word the Rabbi Yishleilam says, every letter is important. And here he repeated an entire Malachas HaMishkan, two full sedrish, two full sedras. And our Palm said a beautiful concept. He said that, when the Rabbanishon told to Moshe Rabbeinu, it was in theory. Parshas Vayakal and Pekudes Vayas Moshe, Vayas Yoshu, Vayas Betzal. They did. From theory to reality are two separate worlds. And for us to get to reality, do things, have an idea, but execute it, make it happen, is what separates like the men from the boys. And for that, the Rabbanishon put two full parshas to show us. Vayas. They made the, the Mizbeach. They made the Mizbeach Azov. They made the Mizbeach they made the Shulchan, they made the Aran, everything was done. Vayas, they made the Begadim, the Eifod, the Cheshen, everything was done. So theory to reality, it works out. Let's all practice, let's walk away with, if we do it, it is from the most important steps. So those of you that have great ideas, I'd like to implement so many of your ideas, and many times my responses on the text when you send me those requests are, get me the info and let's look into it. I would say more than three quarters of the time, I don't even get a response. So my help is, my request is, let's make these things happen. Great ideas. Do a little research on your own and get back to me. Thank you all. A happy, wonderful, easy Pesach and Yantiv that's going to be coming up. I say the cleaning. We will be together next week, Monday, before Yantiv. Amen. Amen.